Good evening, Aya, and good evening, sisters in the Dharma. Um, before we start our intensive meditation, we must understand the teaching of the Buddha is a gradual training. So there are some prerequisites that we should familiar with before we start our med- before we start our meditation. Okay. Number one, of course, Manteji has explained to all of you there is morality, virtue, keeping the morality. But what is the purpose of the keep? What is the purpose to keep morality? Not because Buddha says so. That we have to we have to follow blindly. But we follow, we keep morality because are based on two reasons. Number one is based on the understanding of karma. Do you know karma? Actions. Any actions have reactions. So when you throw a ball into a wall, the ball rebounds. This is reactions. So when we do good, the good come back to us. This is reactions. When we, when we do bad, the bad come back to us. So by this understanding, we avoid unwholesome actions because we understand this reaction finally come back to us. It hurts us. So in order to protect ourselves, we avoid unwholesome actions. This is called based on understanding. Not because Buddha said, you must follow, then I follow. No, because you understand every action has its reaction. Okay, this is the first one. The second one, we, we observe morality out of compassion for others. Suppose we walk uh, on a street and there is a band come out with a knife you know, placing against our neck. How do you feel? Fear. Why do you, why you feel fear? Because we are afraid of dying. We, we don't want to die. So also, no, when we hurt, we kill some other beings, they also have a lot of fear. They also don't want to die. So by this understanding, common you know, understanding that and out of compassion for other people, we don't want to kill. And we don't want to speak uh, falsely to hurt other people. We don't want to have hard speech to hurt other people's feelings. And we don't want to steal other people's property because we also don't want our property to be stolen. And out of compassion for others, we avoid all these unwholesome things. And the Buddha said, uh, anyone who keeps the morality 
they are protected. He give a simile. He said that uh, some minister, the king, you know, when they went out, they are guarded by many bodyguards. But Buddha said, this is not a real protection. Why? Because this type of protection is called external protection. But if we keep morality, even though we go out without any bodyguards, but we are protected. Why? Because the mor the morality we keep is our internal protection. And once you keep the morality, you become fearless. This very important quality in life. I came to U.S. many times. Many people told me they have a lot of fear. Do you have fears? Yes. Why? Why should you fear of what? What are you fear of? If you ask yourself, you know, you ask yourself: If I do not kill other beings, I do not hurt other beings, I do not steal other people's property, I do not commit other any wrong deeds. I never hurt any beings. Then why should you fear? Why should you have fear? Only when we do something bad to others, then we have fear, fears because we afraid that reaction come back to us. That action come back to us. So if we keep our morality pure, clean, you have nothing to fear of. So this is the purpose first to keep the morality, and uh, the the uh, to keep morality is also to overcome the transgressing defilements. We have three types of defilements. One is called dormant, latent. Another one is called uh, come to the surface, arising defilement. And the third one is called transgressing. We have done uh, wrong physically and verbally. This is called transgressing defilements. This this type of defilement is very uh, gross. So when you keep the morality, you overcome the transgressing defilement. You overcome the wild mind, the violent violent mind. Only then you can. Your mind can come down and still and develop concentration. If we cannot overcome the wide mind, how can we develop concentration, which is much subtle? So the gradual training number one is to keep our morality pure. Okay, the second one is to practice. Sense, uh, sense restraint. Restraint your senses. We have uh, five senses: uh, eye, ear, nose, tongue, and body. Our eye desire for visible objects. Our ear desire for sounds. Uh, our nose desire for smell. And our tongue desire for taste. Our body desire for tangible objects, soft touch, 
and our mind keep on indulging in pleasant thoughts, imagining, imagining, you know, or any pleasant thoughts, or go back to the past, recollecting the past, or to the future. If we let our mind go the way it wants, uh, the eye, eye consciousness, the right seeing things, then we indulge in seeing. Uh, ear consciousness arise hearing something, and we indulge in it. After indulging, then it brings forth many defilements. So also, nose consciousness, tongue consciousness, and body consciousness, and mind consciousness. If we let the mind goes the way it wants, nothing can be accomplished. So we have to practice sense restraint, control our senses. How? That is, we tight all the senses into one rope we call mindfulness. If your mind, if you tie your mind in a, a predominant object, one object, then the mind will not go as it will. The mind will not go at will. So it's important to practice sense restraint by tie, tying your mind into one single object. For example, the breath. So whatever you do, if you concentrate on the breath, then your ear cannot hear very clearly what people say. Your eye cannot see very clearly. Huh? When you end your tongue, when touched with pleasant food, the craving will not arise because your mind is being tight on the breath. Your mind is engaged on the breath. So to prevent any defilements, arise through your six sense basis, you got to apply mindfulness on a single object. This is called sense restraint. If not, then the visible object keep on attacking your eye with craving. And then the pleasant sound keep on attacking your ear with craving. And the pleasant food keep on attacking your tongue with craving, then the purpose of meditation cannot be accomplished. So this is the second requisite, prerequisite that you have to apply during this five days retreat. Okay. The third one is we must straighten out our view by removing the identity view of self towards the mind and body. Theoretically, although we have not yet reached that stage yet, we must theoretically understand our body and mind do not belong to us. Body is composed of four elements. To understand the teaching of the Buddha, we must understand two types of truth. 
Number one is called conceptual truth. Number two is called ultimate truth. So conceptual truth, yes, there is body. I have the body. But in an ultimate sense, body is made up by four elements. What really exists is only four elements. And these four elements arise depend on causes. It does not yield to your wishes. When you sit, for example, half an hour, the pain arises here and there. The pain arises does not yield to your wish. wish. It, because of cause and condition. So we must understand that the body is not I, not mine, not myself. Theoretically, you must accept this one first in order to make good progress in your meditation. If, if theoretically you cannot give up this body is not I, not myself, then during your meditation, uh, you cling to the body. When there is a pain, you feel aversion to the pain. Then you are not going to make good progress. So you must have this theoretically acceptance first. Body does not belong to I. Body is composed of four elements. They arise due to certain causes. And those certain causes are beyond my control. Okay. Then the mind also. Mind is made up by another four aggregate. The feeling aggregate, the perception aggregate, formation and consciousness. These four components make up this mind. For example, if you identify, let's say when you enjoy the food, tomorrow breakfast, when you enjoy the food, then when the food, pleasant food, agreeable food touch your tongue, then the pleasant feeling arises. And if you identify this pleasant feeling as I, feeling as I, or my, my feeling, then craving will follow. Craving will follow after pleasant feelings. So whatever feeling you have, if you identify it as I, my, myself, then craving and clinging will follow. Then how are we going to purify our mind? So if we allow craving and clinging comes up very often in our mind. So whatever feeling you experience in, in this retreat, you must bear in mind, feeling is just feeling. Feeling has characteristic of experiencing the desirable aspect of the object and unpleasant feeling has the characteristic of experiencing uh, sorry pleasant feeling has a characteristic of experiencing desirable aspect of object and unpleasant feeling has the characteristic of experiencing unpleasant aspect of the object so when you feel unpleasant feeling, you must know it is unpleasant feeling only. Now the unpleasant feeling performs its own characteristic. The unpleasant feeling is not I, not my, not myself. So Buddha said that you know, before a person comes to meditation, he must 
give up the wrong view first. Only then he can make progress. So the biggest obstacle in our practice is identification. Identity view. We call personality view or identity view. We identify everything as I, my, myself. Hearing as I, seeing as I, feeling as I, craving as I, even mindfulness as I, effort as I. We identify everything as I, as my. This is the biggest obstacle in our, in our practice. So theoretically, we must give up this I first. Until we really see, you know, this feeling, this mental state separated from us. It's really not I, not mine. Only then, our true faith develops. But before the true faith develops, we have to accept it theoretically first. This very, very important point that you have to bear in mind in order to make progress. So everything happened according to cause and condition. Now, for example, now we don't have any craving. But if somebody praises you, then the pleasant feeling arises, then craving arises. Before that, no pleasant feeling. Now, because of the pleasant sound, the praise, somebody praise you, then pleasant feeling arises. What does it mean? It means it's only cause and effect. Yeah, because of the pleasant sound and pleasant feeling. But if somebody abuse you, then unpleasant feeling. So all this almost beyond our control. Only cause, effect, cause and effect. So only when you understand cause and effect relationship, you truly understand non-self nature. What Buddha meant non-self. Okay, so the, this the third prerequisite that you should familiar with. Yeah? Number one is keep the morality. Number two is control your senses, yeah? sense restraint. Number three, remove remove the identity view, the self view, and last one, moderate in eating. It's also very important. Uh, moderate in eating. Eat moderately. Don't overeat. Uh, and since tomorrow morning, we are going to have our breakfast. So today, I would like to take this opportunity to share, to teach you how to eat mindfully so that you will not become the victims of our craving. For food, okay. When the food, when you place the food, yeah. Uh, when the food touch the tongue, you must be first mindful of the touch. And see what feeling arise in you. Mostly, is pleasant feeling. So if you can know a pleasant, pleasant feeling has arisen in me, then you're aware of that pleasant feeling. Aware of that pleasant feeling. Uh, see it. Don't identify that pleasant feeling as I and mine. 
just see it, know it, aware of it. Then when the food finished, before another, you, before you take in another morsel of food, you see the pleasant feeling disappear. Hey, why it disappear? Because there's no more contact. There's no more tongue contact. Then the pleasant feeling disappear. Then you see, hey, cause and effect. You see cause and effect. Then again, if the food is unpleasant to you, not agreeable to you, then you feel unpleasant feeling arises. Then you're aware of it. Then you see arise arises, you see it passes away. Okay, this is one way to contemplate the, your feelings. Another way is that food is also made up by four elements. So when the food touch your tongue, when you start to chew, uh, you chew the food, then you feel hardness. Sometimes you feel softness of the food. Sometimes you feel cold. Hardness and softness is earth element. We have four elements. Okay, earth element, batawi apo, batawi apo, water element, fire element, and wind element. So the food is made up by these four elements. So if you feel hardness of the food, then you contemplate it as earth element. When you feel softness of the food, you contemplate it as earth element. Then when you chill, chill, you feel your teeth, you know, it, uh, going up and down. This is called movement. Movement is wind element. So you're aware of the wind element. Then after chewing for some time, you see the liquid come out from the food. Then flowing, you feel the, the liquid flowing in your mouth. This is water element. Then you swallow, you feel the push, the energy push the foot down. This what element? Wind element. So if you can eat, uh, uh, take your meal with discernment or with the practice of four elements, then the craving will not arise when you take your foot. This also a type of sense restraint so that the craving refinements will not arise during your meal time. Then you will not, you know, indulge in the food and eat until more than necessary. So moderate in eating is also very important in the teaching of the Buddha because if you overeat, then you become very drowsy sleepy, the mind is not clear at all. Only with moderate eating, your mind becomes clear. So this is also one type of training that we have to learn, we have to follow. Okay, so these four points are the prerequisites that we should start with. Now, let me repeat one more time. Number one, to keep the morality pure. Secondly, What's that? Sense restraint with mindfulness. So whatever you do, you do it with mindfulness. Walking meditation too, uh, you walk with mindfulness. Uh, number, number three, 
Yes. Nah, must have understanding of non-self. Number four, moderate in eating. These are the four prerequisites you should familiar with before we start our intensive meditation retreat. Okay, any question? Do you familiar with four elements? Do you familiar with four elements? You need do you do you want me to explain some more? Okay. So this body is made up by four elements. Huh? Earth element. Earth element has six characteristics. Number one is hardness. You touch your hand, you feel the hardness of the bone. This earth element. If you touch softly, you feel the soft of the flesh. This also earth element. Sometimes you feel smoothness. It's also earth element. Smooth, smoothness and harshness or roughness are relatively. You know, if it's not so smooth, it's harsh. It's rough. If it's rough, then there's no smooth. So hardness and softness one pair. Smoothness and roughness one pair. Heaviness and lightness one pair. So these six characteristics belong to earth elements. So whenever you experience this, you know, one of the six, then you must recognize it is earth element. Okay. Number two, water element. Water element has two characteristics. One is called flowing. Your saliva flows. When you chew the food, you feel the saliva flowing. No? Sometimes the sweat flows. Uh, urine flowing. No? Tear flowing. The blood flowing. All these are water elements. Then another one is cohesion. Cohesion. Our body are bind together in proper shape because of cohesion. Without this cohesion to bind our body together, all this organ will scatter away. So if you feel the tightness, the binding force in the body, this is called water element. Then fire element is very easy to discern. Fire element, you feel the heat in the body. It's fire element. Especially during meditation, you feel hotter than before. This because the fire element is in excess. Then cold is also fire element. Cold and hot is relatively. When it's not so cold, it's hot. When it's hot, then there's no cold. Okay. And the last one, wind element. Wind element has two characteristics. Number one is called supporting. Why we can sit straight without collapse? Because there's supporting force called wind element. Another one is called uh, another characteristic of wind element is um, pushing, pushing or movement. Any movement, I can lift up my hand, you know, uh, I can stretch my leg and so on. Any movement, any pushing vibration is called wind element. Stand still also wind element. Huh? Stand still because of the supporting force that you can stand still is also wind element. So these four elements, uh, four elements, 
make up this body. Uh, body is only conceptual, concept only. What really exists is only four elements. Uh, if you can penetrate these four elements uh, uh, thoroughly, then you do not see a being. No being, no you, no me, only four elements. Then you can remove the perception of self. So four elements are very important meditation practice. And nowadays, uh, very few teachers teach four elements meditation. So in your you know walking, uh, when you walk, try to see four elements. Uh, lifting, well, how your feet lift up, try to see the lifting force, which is wind element. Pushing also wind element. Dropping, you see heaviness. You know? Heaviness is what element? Hmm? Earth element. Then when you touch the floor, you feel the coldness. What element? Fire element. So during walking meditation, try to see the element. Don't see the feet. Huh? If you see the feet, it's only concept. Lifting, you see the lifting force, which is for a wind element. Pushing, also wind element. Dropping, sometimes you heavy. Light, light is what element? Earth element. Huh? Touching, you feel cold, you feel hot, you feel hardness. Huh? Hardness is earth element. If you feel cold, it's fire element. If you feel soft, it's what element? Earth element. So if you can discern in this way, gradually when your concentration develops, you do not see a body, you do not see a being, you only see the four elements. Then you truly believe what Buddha said, there's no self, only elements. Okay? Okay. So any question? That's all for tonight. Any question? Is it clear to you? Hmm? I have been, I've been having knee pain okay. from sitting. You can, sit, you can sit on the chair. No oh, no, no, no. I mean, I'm okay, but I'm just wondering if in meditation, mm. how, how do I think of that? As the pain on the knee. Yeah. If you can see clearly, you know, the pain is also combination, <coughs> combination of elements. Mm -hmm. one, of, one of the elements is excessive. Mm -hmm. If you can listen clearly, you can try. Don't see the pain. See the element there. Which one is excessive that makes you feel pain? No. Then when you observe the pain, try to see pain as unpleasant sensation. Don't think that it is my pain. My pain. If you feel that it is my pain, the pain becomes magnified. Because of the clinging of I, you add in the clinging of I, the pain becomes magnified. But if you can see pain as unpleasant sensation, as unpleasant sensation, not my sensation, then you can bear the pain. So you must prepare your mind for it. You know, It's unpleasant sensation, just a sensation only. Uh, then remove this cell, then the pain becomes bearable. Okay. Any other question? Yes? You said that we uh, are really ultimately not our mind, yes. and yet I have thoughts that you very likely don't have. 
So um, it seems like that mind is a part of me. You Your mind is M I N E or M I N D. M I N D. M I N D. No, we. Uh, two things are real. One is four elements. Another one is mind. Mind is real, but mind does not belong to mind. M I N E. You know, the mind works according to cause and effect. And we must understand the components of the mind. Mind is not, it's only a, a general terms. The components of mind, let's say, the mind is made up by perception, uh, how perceive how the mind perceive things, feelings, anger, aversion, mindfulness, wisdom, concentration, effort, jealousy. All these are components of the mind. And these components of mind, they will not arise when the conditions are not there. For example, jealousy. Now I'm sitting there. I have no jealousy. Because the condition for my jealousy to arise is not there. Am I right? So, so every component of mind, they only arise when the conditions are there. When the conditions are not there, they cannot arise. So it's only cause and effect, cause and effect. So mind is there, but mind is very general. We must go closer to see the components of the mind. Analyze it one by one. Investigate it one by one. Then you understand cause and effect. Is it clear? Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other question? No. Okay. So we stop tonight. What's the time now? 8.33. Okay. Uh, because tomorrow we are going to start, uh, I would like to tell you how to practice first. So tomorrow morning we can start. Okay. But are you tired now? No. Okay. Uh, I want to introduce and uh, to tell you briefly these five days, what are we going to do? Okay. Uh, as the um, classical teaching of the Buddha, we start with morality, which you have observed. Second, we start with concentration training. And third, wisdom training. So from the first and second day, we will practice concentration first. Uh, in Buddha's teaching, uh, we have two types of meditation. One is called concentration meditation. Another one is called wisdom or vipassana meditation. So any of you have practiced concentration training? Any of you have one? Uh, what type of concentration? Anapana. Okay. Then any of you have experienced vipassana? Okay, so some have Vipassana, some have concentration. So in this five day retreat, I teach you both. Okay. So concentration training or concentration meditation, there are many ways, you know, like metta, loving kindness, compassion, 32 parts of the body, discern the 32 parts of the body, you know, 
then recollecting the virtues of the Buddha, recollecting the depth, and so on. But the most easy one is mindful of the breath, mindfulness of the breath, because the breath follows us 24 hours. It's very easy method, very easy to practice. You only need one thing, attention to the breath. Before that, you know, we let our mind go the way, the, uh, we let our mind go its own way. But now, we have to control the mind. Huh? Keep your attention on the breath. Don't think of anything, just keep the attention on the breath. We call mindfulness of breathing. Oh, before I explain further, I want to explain to you what is the meaning of mindfulness? How you understand mindfulness? Can you tell me? How you understand mindfulness? Okay. Okay. Some more? Being present? Some more? Okay. The word mindfulness is if you can understand thoroughly, you will make good progress. But if you, if you do not understand the meaning of mindfulness or sati, then sometimes you call up, caught up huh, in certain uh, thinking. Okay? Mindfulness is, as you say, pay attention. Huh? Pay attention being pleasant and without any judgment. This is very important. Without any judgment, without any preference, like or dislike. For example, you pay attention to the breath. Sometimes it's very smooth. Sometimes it's not smooth. No? When it's not smooth, you don't like it. This is called judgment. This is called preference. You don't like it. You dislike it. Then at that moment, you have no mindfulness at all. You don't even know you don't like it. So you are not at a pleasant. So mindfulness, just bear attention to the breath. Now I'm saying mindfulness of the breath. Huh? Just pay, bear attention to the breath without any judgment, without any like or dislike, without any effort trying to change the breath. If you understand the meaning of mindfulness well, then you know how to practice mindfulness of the breath. So whether, whether the breath is smooth or pleasant to you, delightful to you or not, it's not your concern. What your concern is just pay attention, pay attention to it. Know it only. That's all. Do not add in any of your view, any of your opinion, any of your liking or disliking. This is called mindfulness. Okay, understand? So, when you breathe in, breathe out. Huh? Keep your attention under the nostril. Just under the nostril. You should not follow the air up to the brain, up to the head, or down to the abdomen. Huh? Just keep your attention under the nostril. Limit 
นะ limit your area limit the attention under the nostril I remember two years ago when I give a talk to a group of Western American one of the audience told me that he said that he had attended many retreats and he had read many books he said none of the teachers say keep the attention under the nostril he was very shocked to hear I say keep the attention under the nostril and I become even shocked to hear he say so <laughs> because we practice mindfulness of breathing all the time you know and keep attention under the nostril how can a person practicing mindfulness of breathing without keeping the attention under the nostril so I even shocked I'm shorter than him <laughs> okay what is the purpose to keep the attention under the nostril so to anchor the mind to anchor the mind here if not the mind will follow the breath up to the head down to the abdomen so if you let your mind going up and down how are you going to develop one pointedness of mind no your concentration cannot go deep if you let your mind go up and down go up and down so you must anchor your mind here with the breath here only although your breath may be very long up to the head or very long up to the abdomen you should keep your attention anchor your attention under the nostril uh, not inside the nose please don't look inside the nose outside uh, here somewhere here if you can feel the air touches somewhere you can fix attention but if you cannot feel the air touches anywhere you just keep the attention under here then you are safe you are correct you are able to develop concentration so first you breathe in breathe out mentally you note breathing in breathing out keep the attention under the nostril aware of the in breath and out breath in breath and out breath is your object of observation is the object of your attention if you fix the point here without aware without aware of the in breath and out breath is also wrong not correct method huh? you must always remember your object is in breath and out breath and your mindfulness must go along with the in-breath and out-breath without judging the breath is is good or not good what it appears to you you just know it only without any judging like or dislike or without any intention to change the breath if it's not smooth you know it's not smooth if it is short you know it is short if it's long you know it is wrong this is called mindfulness uh, if it's short then you want to change it to be long this is called this is not mindfulness this is your, your you are acting in the cell the cell want to control then you are practicing for the cell which is against the, against the purpose of our practice 
So just mindful of in-breath, out-breath. Nah? When it's long, you know it's long. When it's short, you know it's short. That's all. When there's thinking, thinking arises, then you know, come back to the breath. Then after some time, another thinking arises, you know, come back to the breath. Don't get angry with the thoughts. Nah? Because the mind, this, the, na- the nature of the mind is wonder here and there. You must accept the nature of the mind is wonder here and there. That's why we come here, try to tame our mind. So if you do not accept the nature of the mind is wonder here and there, and you get angry with the wandering mind, then we are not. We, we cannot make progress. Huh? When the mind wonder, no, come back. Huh? Wonder again, no, then come back. Pull the mind back to the breath. If it doesn't work, then please use counting method. Huh? Breathing in, breathing out one. Breathing in, breathing out two. Breathing in, breathing out three. Count up to eight. Then come back to one again, up to eight. Come back to one, up to eight. So basically, this is how we practice mindfulness of breathing. And after 20 minutes or half an hour, the pain may arise somewhere. The pain, you know. Then please don't shift the moment you feel painful. If you shift very often, you also cannot develop good concentration. If you can endure the pain, endure it. Bear with it. If the pain already disturbs your concentration on the breath, then you change posture. Change posture, remain keeping the attention on the breath. But if the pain doesn't bother your concentration on the breath, then you can neglect the pain. Okay, so, so far any question before we start tomorrow? And during the walking meditation, you either can choose a mindful, mindful on the breath, mindful of your breath, or you mindful of your steps. You can choose either one. Okay, any other question? Is it clear to you? Clear? Okay. So try to make use of your time here. I try my best to, sh- to help you. Okay, so thank you for tonight. Sama.